Southview. How are we? All right. Welcome, welcome. Glad that you are with us today. We get to start off worshiping the Lord today with baptism. Isn't that great? Man, we love this. I want to read a scripture to you. It's found in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. It says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So when we do baptism, here's what's happening. So we're going to have um, our baptism candidates. They're going to go all the way under the water. They're going to come all the way back up again. And it's a picture of two things. It's a picture of Jesus dying, being buried, and rising again to new life on the third day. And it's a picture of what Jesus Christ has done in them already. That they have trusted by faith in Jesus to take away their sin. They have died their old life with Jesus and have risen again to new life to serve and follow him. And that's exactly why we're here today. We love doing baptism. It is the picture of Jesus Christ making people new. And for that, boy, we praise him. So I want to introduce you to some folk. First, um, we're going to have Jackson. Jackson, come on down. Jackson forgot to take his socks off. There we go. Step around. All right. So we have Jackson Edwards. Jackson comes today uh, having given his life to Christ and uh, trusting the Lord in salvation. And so sharing his testimony today is his mom. So uh, come on down up front. We've got a mic up front here. So Jack was in the first grade when he came to me and asked me to walk him through the prayer of salvation. It was after we had been to a passion play, and um, I walked him through the prayer of salvation one night, and now his dad and I, our prayer for him is just that he continues to grow in his faith and bring others to Christ. All right, so Jackson, turn. Have a seat for me. All right. So Jackson, having placed faith in Jesus as your Savior, it is now my privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are you pinch your nose? Dab your nose? Ready? One, two, three. And uh, amen. All right. Stand right there. All right. Carter, come on down, buddy. So... This is Jackson's brother, Carter. So come on around. So Carter coming today, also professing faith in Jesus as his Savior and Lord, and excited today to come forward in baptism, sharing that with you. Also, also sharing uh, Carter's testimony is going to be Carter's mom. Carter was in third grade when he asked me one evening to walk him through the prayer of salvation. So I asked him um, if he understood everything, and he said, yes, ma'am. So I walked him through it, and our prayer for Carter is also that he continues to grow in his faith and can lead others to Christ as well. Amen. All right. Turn around. Have a seat for me. Perfect. You're good. All right. Pinch your nose. Grab my wrist. You ready? All right. One, two, three. All right, amen. All right, 
We have got one more Edwards. Come on down. This is Grace. This is Jackson and Carter's sister. All right. So, Grace coming also, professing faith in Jesus and uh, trusting in him to be her savior and reading Grace's testimony this morning is her mom. Grace is our oldest, and she was our first to come to Christ after a passion play um, when she was six. And a small side note, their dad wants me to note that he was deployed for all three of these. So he was reading them and was like, it only talks about you. So he does love Christ and also um, wants our kids to grow in Christ, but he was deployed for all three. So Grace will be 16 this week as well. So our prayer for her is just that she continues to grow in her faith and also brings others to Christ. Amen. Well, happy birthday and have a seat. All right. So, Grace, having placed faith in Jesus as your Savior, it is my honor and privilege to now baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. Here's your notebook. Grab my wrist. You ready? Here we go. All right. Amen. All right. Let's do this. Stay put. Boys, come on down. All right. Mom, get your phone. Come on down, guys. We're going to get all three in here, and we're going to pray over the family, all right? All right, scoot on this way. Perfect, perfect. There you go. All right, so let's pray for the Edwards kids, okay? Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, God, for Jackson, for Carter, for Grace. I thank you, God, for them coming to faith in you. I thank you, God, for moms and dads who love you and seek to lead their kids to love you. We pray, God, just your blessings on them, Lord. We pray, God, that this is the beginning of a long life seeking to love you and serve you all their days. We pray, Lord, that you would grow them, that you would mature them, that you would strengthen them, that their roots would go deep and bear much fruit for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, you can head that way. All right, Megan. All right, come on around. Perfect. So, this is Megan's surprise. So Megan comes today also placing faith in Jesus as her Savior and uh, excited to come and share that with you uh, and uh, just really uh, overjoyed about what Jesus has done in her life and sharing her testimony. Miss Norma, go right ahead. You can come right up front and share Megan's testimony. Okay. The beginnings of my faith blossomed through the most difficult times of my life. I was steered perfectly by God into the loving Tilly family, and I experienced something that was so wonderful I couldn't even believe it at first. Once I gained a strong understanding of who God is and what Jesus did for me, my life completely changed for the better. I am so blessed to finally get baptized today. I'm excited to start my adult life walking with the right shoes. A special thank you goes out to the Tilly family, the members of this church, and to the amazing church leadership. Thank you. Amen. All right, Megan, turn around, have a seat. All right, so Megan, it is now my honor and my privilege having you place faith in Jesus as your Savior, now getting baptized, showing uh, the life, the new life that he has given you. It is my honor and my privilege to baptize you, my sister. So, pinch your nose, grab my wrist, you ready? I now baptize you, Megan, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, hang on, let's pray for you real quick. Hang on real quick, real quick, real quick. All right, let's pray for Megan. Lord, we just thank you for Megan. We thank you, God, for her. We thank you for the life that you've given her and the new life that you've now given her. 
We pray, God, your blessings on her as she seeks to live a life that brings glory and honor to you. Again, may her roots run deep and fruit abound for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand. Let's worship together. Good morning, church. Christ is risen. Christ has made a way. And we have a reason to celebrate and to sing. So let's join and sing loudly and worship Him today. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven, spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Name above all names. Good
way, church.
amazing. Scripture clearly tells us. It says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, meaning Jesus, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, making peace by the blood of the cross. So God has taken your offense and my offense and through the blood of the cross. When we accept salvation through Christ, he has washed it away. Isn't that amazing? And so that when you look at the cross, you can see not just death and tragedy, but you can see new life, restoration, hope, salvation, redemption, grace, and mercy. What we have been saved from and what we have been saved to is an amazing thing. And so my hope for you and for me today, church, is that our hearts would turn a little bit more away from the world and more towards Christ, that we would taste and see that the Lord is good. And we would long for that more and more. And the overflow of your life and my life would be the glories of Christ lived out. And we sing and we celebrate because of these things that are true in our hearts. At the cross, that's why we sing. That's why we celebrate the name of Christ. Let's sing.
his way. time. Let us be overcome by the spirit that saves, the spirit of hope and the spirit of forgiveness. God, heal your people. Bring us closer to you. May we repent and pour out our hearts to you right here, right now. God, change us. Change us. Save us. In Christ's name.
voice and sing out, church. going to transition into a prayer time, uh, but before we do that, I have just a couple of things I want to let you know about to kind of guide us a little bit in our prayers. Uh, one, if you are a guest with us, welcome. We are so glad that you are here. Uh, best way you can connect with us, we can just know who you are and how we can pray for you and minister to you is simply grabbing your phone and texting the word CONNECT to the number on the screen. 910-424-1298. But for all of us, uh, three big things I want you to know about, all right? Uh, first is this. We are next Saturday, March 13th, we're going to have a missions dinner to uh, raise money, support for our missions ministry. You can go out either door and buy tickets for that next Saturday. We encourage you to be a part of that. Also, on March 14th, Sunday, after the 11 o'clock service, um, Pastor Ryan, our youth pastor, is going to be having a parent meeting for all teenagers and their parents. And so if you are a part of that ministry, or if your kids have not been a part of that ministry yet, it's a great chance for you to kind of get plugged in, meet Pastor Ryan, meet some of the other youth leaders, meet some youth parents, and get plugged in, be a part of that. That's next Sunday after the 11 o'clock service. And then also... Third big announcement, uh, it's time to get ready for Easter. Believe it or not, first weekend of April is Easter, and we have a packed Easter weekend prepared for you, all right? First, Good Friday, Friday evening, we're going to have a night of worship here in the sanctuary, and it's going to be amazing. I cannot wait for Friday night, uh, so come and be a part of that Friday evening right here, worshiping the Lord together on Good Friday. Uh, joining our hearts together, praising God for why Good Friday is so good that Jesus died to take away our sins and to make us one with the Father. Also, uh, that weekend on Saturday of Easter weekend, we're going to be having a big church-wide family picnic. So come and be a part of that uh, Saturday afternoon and evening. Come together, hang out. In fact, best thing you can do right now, grab your phone. And text the word Easter to the number on the screen, 910-424-1298. Text Easter, because that's going to be your way to get plugged into everything, all right? If you want to come, we want to have a good number of how many are coming. You can sign up for, for uh, dinner by texting Easter. Um, if you would like to have your child be a part of the Easter egg hunt, you can sign up by texting Easter. Uh, we also need pre-filled Easter eggs. You can bring those in and start dropping those off next week. We're also going to have a cornhole tournament. If you'd like to be beat by me in cornhole, text Easter. Sign up for that. Uh, and also, we need a lot of volunteers. So you can sign up to volunteer through that as well. So that app, um, that, that, that phone number, 910-424-1298, text Easter. And that's going to how you get plugged into everything on Saturday. And then it culminates, obviously, Sunday morning. 
gathering right here at 9, 30, and 11, worshiping our risen, alive King Jesus. And, and this is where you come in for that, all right? We want you right now to start praying about who God would have you personally invite to bring with you on Easter morning. Do you have a friend, family member, work associate, neighbor who doesn't know the Lord or isn't plugged in in church anywhere? This is a great opportunity for you to invite them. Research says that 9 out of 10 people invited to Easter will show up, all right? So that fear is already taken out. They're not going to look at you and say, no. So invite them. Who are you going to invite? We we read earlier as we were doing the baptism, Romans 6, 4. I want to read that to you one more time. Romans 6, 4 says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Here's the question I want you asking yourself. Who do you know who your desire is that they would walk in newness of life? Do you have anyone, a friend, a family member, a co-worker, or whatever? And they're heavy on your heart because you want them to experience the new life that can only come through Jesus. Let's start now praying for them. Invite them. And let's, by God's grace, see a great work happen in them. So I want to encourage you to bow your heads for me. And, and let's take a couple of minutes this morning praying specifically for them. Who... Has anyone, been, has anyone been placed in your mind? Has God placed anyone in your mind? Any thoughts? Have you seen any faces come popping up in your mind? Take that as God's leading. That that's who you're supposed to be praying for. That's who you're supposed to be seeking the Lord for, for opportunities to engage them with the gospel and by God's grace hopefully be able to invite them to hear the good news of Jesus. So I want to encourage you right now, take just a minute and pray for them, okay? Lift them right up before the Lord right now, asking God to move in their hearts, prepare them, giving opportunities for you to talk to them, encourage them, and by God's grace, invite them. So right now, you take them to the throne of grace and lift them up to the Lord. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that for every one of us who's a follower of Jesus Christ, you have made Romans 6, 4 true of us. You have made us walk in newness of life. So God, we pray for these people that are on our minds, God, that you by your grace would allow them also to walk in newness of life. They would be changed by you in the power of your gospel. And I pray, God, for us that you would give us boldness, courage, faith to step out and invite. Step out and open our mouths and say, Jesus has changed my life. I'd love for you to come worship him with me. Lord, I pray that you would do this in us for your glory. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Hey, if you got a Bible, let's find Acts chapter 3 together, all right? <clears throat> Acts chapter 3. So let's, let's get a bit of an on-ramp into what we got going on here. Jesus comes, lives, dies, 
rises again, speaks to his followers and says, hey, I'm going to ascend up into heaven, and after I do that, you go and wait because the Holy Spirit's going to come, and when he comes on you, you go be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's what happens. The Spirit of God falls on them. We saw that in Acts chapter 2. They proclaim the gospel. Thousands of people come to faith in Jesus, and then they gather that group up into a church that worships Jesus and nurtures one another in our relationships with Jesus and seeks to be a witness to Jesus. And then they do something amazing. This is really where the rubber's going to meet the road for us. They do something awesome. After experiencing the miracle of Acts chapter 2 and the sound of the mighty rushing wind and the fire of tongues on their heads and, and, and speaking in all these different languages and thousands of people coming to faith in him and the church being organized, then you know what everybody does? They go back home. They go back to their homes. They go back to their work. They go back to their schools, they go back to their neighborhoods, they go back to their friends, they go back to their families, they go back to their normal lives, but they go back radically changed. When these people met Jesus and experienced the miracle of Pentecost, they did not immediately quit their jobs, join a commune, and meditate all day. They went back to work. They went back home. They went back to school. They went back to their friends and families, but they went back different. They went back as people changed by Jesus and on a mission for Jesus. And this is where the rubber is going to meet the road for us today. God's call in your life is that you wake up tomorrow morning <coughs> and you go to work, you go to school, eventually, you go hang out with your friends. You spend time with people in your neighborhood. You do all the things that you typically do. But you do them as people who have been changed by Jesus and are now on a spirit-empowered mission for Jesus. Is that making sense? You go about your daily life different. Think about this. You go, as followers of Jesus, you go about your normal life in a very abnormal way. You go about your normal life as people who are changed by Jesus and seeking by God's grace to see others changed as well. That's what we see happening with them in Acts 3. So let's jump in and see that together. Let's pick it up in verse 1. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So the ninth hour is about 3 in the afternoon. It's the set hour of prayer, so they're going up just like the normal, uh, uh, normal life would be, right? So the, the point of verse 1 is they're going about their normal life. They're good, God-fearing men, so they go to the temple when it's time to go to the temple and pray. They're just doing their normal thing, but they're doing it now empowered by the life of Jesus. Verse 2, And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. So you got a man lame from birth. His entire life, all he's known is sickness and pain and handicap and tragedy. That's all he's ever known. In chapter 4, it's going to say that he's over 40 years old. So for over four decades, all he's known is pain and heartache and sickness and injury. That's it. They have to carry him. He's totally incapable of caring for himself. They carry him by the gate, and he sits there, and his only source of income is to beg people for money as they go by. So this is what he's doing. And that's where we pick it up in verse 3. 
So Peter and John about to go into the temple, he, seeing them, he asked to receive alms. That's money given to the poor. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So what we see here is Peter is speaking in the name of Jesus Christ. Now this is extremely important. When you speak in the name of Jesus Christ, you are invoking the power and presence of Jesus. Right? This isn't Peter doing this in his own strength and power. This isn't Peter doing a magic trick. He is invoking the power and presence of Jesus. Same for you, all right? When you pray in Jesus' name, when you end a prayer and you say, in Jesus' name, amen, that's not just the way you say goodbye to God, right? That's not how you hang up. When you pray and you end by saying, in Jesus' name, amen, what you're saying is you're not just throwing up wishful thinking these aren't just good ideas this isn't just something that you hope might happen one day you are saying that you are speaking something in the name and authority and power of jesus christ and in the name authority and power of jesus christ you're asking that these requests be sent up to the father and that god would do his good and gracious will in the name of his son jesus christ when you speak in jesus name You are saying, I come with the authority and power of Jesus himself in praying this, in speaking this, in walking in this. So this is what Peter and John are doing, and you see what happens. Verse 7, and he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. It's neat. Isaiah 35, verse 6 prophesies that the Messiah will come and that the lame will jump up, leap like deer. It's exactly what we see happening here, right? So he hasn't walked ever. In the name of Jesus, his legs are strengthened. He's able to walk now. Yeah, he's jumping and doing cartwheels. Can we agree? Now, he's a little excited. So he does this. And then verse 9, And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And one of the great understatement verses, uh, sentences in the Bible. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You think? So, what we see happening here is a man is miraculously instantaneously, supernaturally healed by God. In fact, as we continue on the story next week in chapter 4, we'll see that the Jewish leaders who hated Christianity and wanted to destroy Christianity in a private little meeting say, we can't deny the fact that a miracle of God has taken place here, so what do we do? God did a miracle in healing this man. So, let's, just for a moment, let's chat about healing, All right, This is what happened here. Let's, uh, let's, let's get our feet underneath us when it comes to healing and what this means for us. Um, so Jesus healed a lot of people. If you've read the Gospels, you're familiar with that. 27 times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus healing an individual person. A person comes to him, says, I need healing, and Jesus heals them. 27 times. And then you have 10 times in addition to that where Jesus healed groups of people. We don't know how many the group is. Could be dozens, could be hundreds, could be thousands. We just don't know. 
But 27 times we see he healed an individual person, and 10 times he healed groups of people all at once. You also see this carried out in the book of Acts with the apostles. They healed people. We see this happening here with, with Peter. They saw God in his grace heal people in the name and authority of Jesus. In fact, you're going to see as we go through the Acts, 14 different healings in the book of Acts. Where someone was sick, the apostles prayed over them in the name of Jesus Christ, and they were healed 14 times. In fact, there are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. 12 of the chapters have a healing in it. Right, so almost half the book of Acts, half the chapters, you're going to have a hard time flipping a page in Acts and not finding someone being healed. Right? It's just what they do. Not only that, Jesus healed people. The apostles, through the name and authority and power of Jesus Christ, saw God heal people. What does this mean for us? We, as the followers of Christ here today, are called to pray for people that they would be healed. I know, you're looking at me like, I don't trust you, I got a verse. James, chapter 5. We'll throw it up on the screen, James 5, 13 through 16. This is what the scriptures say to us as believers. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So what we see here is Jesus healed people. The apostles, as followers of Jesus, in the name and power and authority of Jesus, saw God heal people. And now we as a church are called by God to have as a part of our ministry here, praying for people to be healed. That is supposed to be a part of what we do. Specifically here, it talks about elders, pastors, anointing people with oil and praying over them. I had someone in our church just this week reach out to me and ask me if I would anoint their son with oil and pray over him for his healing. And I did that. And by God's grace, we're starting to see some, some improvement there. But this is what we're called to do. Jesus healed people. The apostles saw God through the name and authority and power of Jesus. Saw people get healed. And we are called to pray for people's healing. So question, does that mean everyone we pray for to be healed is going to be healed? No. No, it does not. There are going to be times we're going to pray for people to be healed. And God's not going to do it. We, we see numerous ex- examples of that in the Bible. Uh, so you see one. 1 Timothy 5, 23. So Timothy, this is Paul's son in the faith. He's experiencing what 1 Timothy uh, 5, 23 says, his frequent ailments. So this wasn't a one-time thing. Apparently, Timothy was a sickly little fella. Timothy had frequent ailments. Timothy was apparently sick often. And I have to imagine that the apostle Paul, this being his dear beloved son in the ministry, I got to believe that Paul prayed for him to be healed. I mean, it doesn't say that, but I'm going to assume that. I don't think that's a far leap. I mean, there were people that were asking for Paul's handkerchief and trying to get in the shadow of Peter. If I just get in their shadow, then I would imagine that he prayed for Timothy. But apparently, he didn't experience any kind of miraculous healing from God. And you have Paul here in 1 Timothy 5.23 giving him medical advice. 
I, I love this because it's the one verse of the Bible Southern Baptists don't know what to do with. Because on one hand, you have it clearly refuting the health and wealth prosperity gospel. And on the other hand, you got Paul telling a guy to drink wine. And Baptists are like, I don't know what to do. I don't, do I like this verse or not like it? I can't figure it out. But what you see here is praying for healing and seeking medical help aren't at odds with one another. right? They don't collide. In fact, the guy who wrote the book of Acts, Luke, anyone know what his day job was? He was a doctor. right? In fact, many believe he was the Apostle Paul's personal physician. So you see this. A young man, Timothy, who was obviously full of faith, had a father in the ministry, Paul, who's obviously full of faith. My assumption would be they prayed for Timothy's healing, but it didn't come the way that they were praying it, and they had to seek some medical help as well. Uh, you also see another one actually with Paul himself. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you see the Apostle Paul, it says that he has some kind of thorn in the flesh, some kind of physical issue. It's believed that maybe it's an eye issue, something with eyesight. We don't know for sure. We're totally guessing. But there is some kind of physical thorn in the flesh Paul was dealing with. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that Paul prayed three times. It says he implored, he begged God. Have you ever been in a situation where you were on your face literally pleading with God to do something? If that's ever been your spot, you find yourself in good company with the Apostle Paul. Three different occasions, he's on his face pleading with God to take away whatever the physical issue is that he's experiencing. You know what God says all three times? No. I'm not going to do that, Paul. I'm not going to take that away from you. Why? Because I want to show you that my grace is sufficient for you. That even when physically you are down, spiritually you can be strong. He says, I'm doing this so that you will not be prideful. You got the Apostle Paul. I mean, dude is telling dead people in the name of Jesus to not be dead. And they get up and fix dinner. Okay? He's writing books of the Bible. And God knows. Paul is a man. He's a man like us. And Paul, and God knows I need to do a little something to keep my boy Paul humble. Because it's going to be super easy to walk into a room and be like, yo, I'm Paul, what's up? He's got to have something to keep him humble. And so God uses this physical thorn in the flesh to keep Paul constantly seeking the Lord in humility. Listen, brothers and sisters, sometimes getting physical healing may be best for your body, but sometimes not getting physical healing is what's best for your soul. Sometimes God wants to do something on a deeper level in you that keeping you in this spot is going to be able to accomplish. That's exactly what we see happening with Paul. Just because we believe for healing doesn't mean that we get it. So what do we do? We pray for people to be healed. We believe God to heal them. And then we trust God as our good dad. We just trust him. And there are times by God's grace he's going to say yes. And there are times in God's infinite wisdom, he's going to say, no, I'm not going to do it that way. And we've seen all of it. right? I've been in situations personally where I had someone being physically totally lame, just like we see in Acts 3. And we lay our hands on them and pray for them, and I physically feel bones in their body reset. They get up and walk around. I have seen it and experienced it personally. You know what else I've experienced? 
praying for people for months at a time that they would be healed. And then they die. And in those times, what do we do? We trust God. Right? My seven-year-old daughter thinks cereal and Oreos should be like every meal. And it, I mean, I'm not saying she's wrong. Just saying it makes me a bad parent. So for her as a dad, I see things and know things that she doesn't. I understand bigger ramifications down the road that she can't grasp. And so as a parent, you got to step in and go, I know in your mind that seems like the right thing, but you got to trust me on this one. It's, it's not in the long run. And, and if I, at 42, can with great confidence say that over my 7-year-old, how much more should I trust infinite, all-knowing God over my life? So we ask God for healing. We believe God for healing. But we trust him for what he says is best. And as we do this, here's what I think we're going to see. We're going to see a couple of things. Number one, we're going to see some drop your jaw, shut the front door miracles happening in this room. We're going to see some stuff happen where we go, did you just see that? That's amazing. Praise God, that's amazing. And we're also going to see many opportunities where we get to grow in faith and trust God when he's walking through a situation that we personally don't understand why it's going that way. Like we're, we're going to be able to see both. And it causes us to look forward. The point is not that we try to make this life as best as possible. The point is, the scripture would say, there's going to come a day in the future where then Jesus is going to wipe away every tear from our eye, and then there will be no death and no sickness and no pain, and we won't have to say goodbye any more ever again. That's the day we look forward to. If we got everything fixed on earth, why do we need heaven? The point is, there is a greater there's a greater city, a greater hope, a greater existence, a greater time personally face-to-face with Jesus for all eternity. And that's the day we look forward to. So for us, we pray, we trust the Lord, and we ask Him to do His work. I think the two extremes are, are cruel. I think it's cruel to say God always heals, and if He doesn't, the problem is you, you didn't have enough faith. That's cruel. I think it's equally cruel to say, God never does that anymore, so don't even bother asking him. I think both of those extremes are unbiblical. I'd love to have a cup of coffee and explain to you why. They're wrong, and they're just mean. It's not the heart of God. What is the heart of God? He's our good dad. We're his kids. We love him. He loves us. We trust him. We ask him by God's grace that he would do things. Sometimes in his grace he does, and sometimes in his grace he says, trust me, baby, there's a better way. That, man, that is going to set this place on fire because that is real faith. So, jumping back into our story. I was totally supposed to do that in a minute and a half, and I blew my time entirely. So, jumping back into our story. Here's the big idea. You ready? The miracle isn't the point. Like, it's a big thing, but it's not the point of Acts 3. Right? Paul, Peter doesn't say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. The guy gets up and walks, and he's like, drop the mic and walk off stage. Right? That's not what he does. 
There's a bigger thing he's wanting to accomplish. So as he heals this man, this guy that's been lame for 40 plus years starts jumping around. Thousands of people gather around thinking, what is happening here? And Peter uses it as a springboard to proclaiming the gospel. That's the big idea. All right? The big idea is this. There is something worse than physical sickness. And there is a healing greater than physical healing. The truth is we have a sin sickness. And any physical issue you have today, there's going to come a point where you're going to die and that physical issue isn't a problem anymore. But if you're still sick with sin, those consequences last for eternity. Peter knows this. The answer isn't just giving this guy strength in Jesus' name and healing his legs. The point is there are thousands of sin-sick people in need of Jesus Christ to heal their souls. And I'm going to use this as a chance to tell everybody about him. So that's where you go in verse 11. While he, that's the guy who was healed, clung to Peter and John. And yeah, I think I would do that too. All the people, utterly astounded, ran together. To them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw, saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though by our own pi- power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you called the author of, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And in his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that is, Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring All the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. All right, so here's the big idea. Peter sees this man healed in the name and authority of Jesus, and he uses an opportunity to then preach the gospel. And this sermon sounds just like the sermon he preached in Acts chapter 2, right? Jesus is God. He came to earth. You killed him. God raised him up. And now he, in faith in him, and as your Lord and Savior, is the only way you're going to be forgiven of your sin and experience new life that God desires to give. And we see what happened as a result. If you were to dip down into chapter 4, verse 4, you see what happened as a result. 
But many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of men came to about 5,000. So they number by counting men. So you throw in ladies and kids on top of that. It's many, many, many more. So here's the story. Peter and John are on the way to the temple. They see a man lame. God heals him in the name and authority of Jesus Christ. A crowd gathers. Peter preaches the gospel. And thousands of people come to faith in him. So that's the story of Acts chapter 3. Now here's the question. What does this mean for us? Here's the big idea. The big idea for today is gospel ministry is both show and tell. This is what you see in Acts chapter 3. They are showing the power of the gospel by seeing this man healed. And then they're telling the proclamation power of the gospel by saying, here's who Jesus is, here's how you sinned against him, and here's how you turn to him for salvation. And for us as well, it's both show and tell. Right? So it's show. How are you showing the gospel? We show the gospel several ways. One, by just living changed lives, right? By bearing out the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. By living out, by responding in graciousness when people are mean. By responding in forgiveness when people sin against us. By responding in love when others are unloving towards us. By responding in grace and mercy when others deserve condemnation and consequence. Do you live a life in such a way where people around you see? As this world is full of sin, is the contrast of your life so stark that people realize there's something powerful there? So I think about when I was going to ask Marie to marry me. I went to the jeweler. I walked in. I'm like, I want to buy the biggest ring you got because I love this girl and I'm going to ask her to marry me. He's like, all right, well, here you go. How much is that? this can you show me your i don't have to sell a kidney section like where is that right so we get this these 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 diamonds and and if you've ever been a part of that what they do is so they got this black mat right and they put the diamond on on the mat as a contrast right compared to the black mat it 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 causes all to pop right you see the color and you and you see the shape and the cut and all these other things And that's exactly the way that our lives are supposed to be in contrast to this sin-soaked, saturated world. It is black with sin, but we shine as diamonds sitting up against it. Do people see a difference? A couple of practical ways that Marie and I live this out. Number one is um, the more we've grown in the Lord, the more we absolutely love being generous. Like it's a lot of fun. We love being really crazy generous with people. Like we love going to a restaurant and giving an obscenely oversized tip to a waitress that probably didn't deserve it. We don't give that to her because she served us so well. We give that to her because Jesus has changed us and we just want to be generous like Jesus is generous. One of the other ways that we do this is by praying for people. We look for opportunities to pray for people out in the world all the time. Constantly looking for chances to pray for people. Hey, can I pray for you? We rarely have people say no. Rarely do people go, I'm great. You don't have to pray for me. And God guides those opportunities. Like we see things, we see opportunities. 
chances to step in and just encourage people and kind of pray for you for a moment. These are ways that we're showing the gospel, right? But we don't just show, right? Again, Peter didn't see this man get healed and just walk away. He didn't just show, but he also told, right? So it's show and tell. Um, I shared this story with you, I think, a couple of weeks ago of, if you ever seen the movies, The Invisible Man? They've had a couple of, I think, iterations of that. But you have this man that's invisible. The only way you can see him is if he puts on a coat, right? Or I think in the newest movie, they get some paint thrown on him. You can see the outline of his body. The idea is this. He's invisible, but when something is thrown on top of him, now you can see. Jesus is invisible in this world. We are to be his body, his visible body. Do you see the imagery in the church? you see the way this works in the Bible? There's a reason why you are called the body, because you can physically see someone's body. We are to be the physical representations of Christ on earth. We are to literally, as his representatives, we are to represent Christ on earth. Do you show, and then do you tell? This isn't just about looking good. This isn't just about, you know, living the best life you can in front of people. Do you tell them? Uh, I maybe you've heard the illustration. It's attributed to a guy named Francis Assisi. There's some debate as whether or not that he said it, but maybe you've heard it something like this: um, "Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words." Can I encourage you with a moment? That's the equivalent of me saying, "Tell me your phone number, and if necessary, use digits." By definition, your phone number is a sequence of digits. And by definition, the gospel is the spoken proclamation of the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus and how it changes you. You, No one learns about the new life of Jesus Christ just from you not drinking a beer at dinner. No one learns... No one learns about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that changes them because you put a resurrection flag in your, on, in your front yard. You have to actually talk. Again, there is a sickness worse than anything physically that can happen, and that's the sickness of sin. And there's a healing that it can come that's greater than physical healing, and that's the healing of Jesus in your soul. And the only way that is understood is if you verbally speak the gospel message, someone hears the message, receives and believes the message, and trusts Jesus to be their Savior. And that only happens if you tell. Tell them. And it's simply just telling what Jesus has done for you. Don't get freaked out and worried that you don't have all the answers. Just say what Jesus did for you. I'll use my, uh, my oldest daughter as an example. That's one of the perks of being a preacher's kid. So she has a, a friend who's been struggling. And, um, and this friend was just, you know, I, denouncing the faith and, and no such thing as God. And I've just been hurt too many times. And this whole Christianity thing is stupid. And, and all you people are a bunch of hypocrites. And so... And so my daughter reached out to her as a friend and just, you know, through texting, whatever, and, and, and just really sought to, to encourage her in the Lord. And so the next day or so, she said, Dad, I just want to make sure I didn't say anything dumb. Um, 
could you look over the thread? Yeah, so I'm flipping through it. And, and it was just, uh, and I'm, immediately the young lady was, don't, don't cram your religion down my throat. I'm not in the, in the mood for that. And, and, and Mabry said, no, I'm not wanting to do that. Uh, you, you, I understand that you've been hurt. I understand that people that call themselves Christians have hurt you. And I'm so sorry for that. That breaks my heart. I'm so sorry. But can I tell you that that is not Jesus? Can I tell you what Jesus has done for me? Can I tell you what I struggle with and Jesus delivered me from? Can I tell you how Jesus has changed my life and he wants to do that for you? I don't want to hear it. Look, I understand and I'm not trying to pressure you in any way. And whenever you are ready, I'd love to talk to you. But I just want you to know that what you're thinking of Jesus isn't the real Jesus. He loves you. He has changed me and he can change you too. Right? It's just, here's what he's done in my life. That's it. And and we're going to give you a chance to start. Easter. Coming up Easter, we talked about it a few moments ago. We're going to be pushing it hard the next couple of weeks. So we had a plan that we changed. So the plan originally was we were going to absolutely crush Cumberland County with an awesome advertising campaign. We were going to put cards at every mailbox and billboards and radio spots. We were like, hey, people ready to go back to church? Let's just flood the market and see who can get to come. And so that was the plan. We were kind of kicking that around, talking through that. And then I'm sitting in my office, and, and I realized, I don't think that's right. God, I'm not entirely sure that's the right thing to do. Because it, if we do it that way, here's what's going to happen. We're going to flood the market. A whole bunch of people are going to come. Then you're going to show up Easter morning looking around going, well, it's like the guest fairy came, and all these people just showed up. This is amazing. All right. Yay, Jesus. Let's go home and eat some dinner. We would see people show up, but you would have zero engagement with that at all. So I realized the better is this. Not that we do what we can. The, the mission of Southview Baptist Church is not to have the best advertising campaign to get as many people in this room as possible. The mission of Southview Baptist Church is to disciple you to have an increasing joy and love and passion for Jesus so that you love going and telling your friends and family and then you invite them and bring them with you. And that will mean two things. Number one, it'll probably mean we have fewer guests on Easter Sunday. But number two, it will actually be connected to you showing and telling and that's the bigger win. So for you, this is your chance. Who are you praying for? Who are you asking God to do a work in? And who would you like to see come to know Jesus? I want to ask if you just bow your heads just for me. And, and we're going to end our time here this morning praying. It, and as we're doing that, I want to encourage you in just a few areas. First is this. We want to ask God to open up our hearts to see how great He is on an even bigger level. In other words, the, the point of this isn't you going, you know, right, God, he's absolutely right. I need to start inviting people to church, so I'm going to just start doing that. That's great. We want you to do that. But the, the point is this. We want you to grow deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in love with Jesus because what you love changes you. And what you love, you talk about. And so we want you to grow deeper and deeper and deeper in love with Jesus so that he changes you more and more and more and you love talking about him more and more and more. That's the bigger truth. So 
we're going to pray this morning that that would happen. The Lord would open up our hearts to receive an even greater understanding, revelation of how beautiful and amazing and glorious Jesus is. Second is this. Let's double back to where we began. We want you to pray for people to experience healing in the name of Jesus. We want you to do that. We want you to step out in faith. Maybe you personally need to be prayed for. We want to do that for you. Maybe you know someone that you need to go pray for. We want you to do that. We pray for people. We trust the Lord to do a work. And then we just step back and say, God, our great dad, we, we just trust in you. You do whatever it is you know is best. And then last, we want you to start telling. We want you to, to be about seeing the gospel go to the ends of the earth and starting in your world. Where you live, where you go to school, where you play, where you work. Who are you going to invite? So Lord, I pray for us here this morning. God, I pray first for us in this room, and I just want to ask you a question as we're in prayer. Have you personally been healed by the sickness of sin? Have you been healed from the sickness of sin? Have you asked Jesus to change your heart and make you new? If not, today is that day. Jesus Christ came, he died, he rose again. He desires to make you new. Trust in him to take away your sin and to make you new. Ask him to do that today. No magic formula, no special prayer. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that you died and rose again to take away my sin. Do that today. Make me new. I'm yours. And as we do that, I pray, God, that you would give us greater revelation and understanding in who you are. We'll see you and be changed by you on even greater levels. I pray, God, that we would have faith to trust you, to step out and pray big prayers, not being ashamed if it doesn't work out the way that we thought it was going to because at the end of the day we're just trusting you. But we step out in faith and we pray and we ask you to move in the lives of people. And God, I pray that you would stir in us love and affection for people just like you have and we will look for opportunities to encourage them, tell them who Jesus has been for us, and what he desires to do in them. I ask you, God, that you would do this. And I thank you that you are all over this place, right here, right now. We love you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, before you leave, I have some folk I'd like to introduce you to very quickly this morning. So if you're a part of our um, uh, new members class, if you can just start kind of uh, being ready first. Uh, Esther, Esther Carter, come on. Miss Esther. Oh, there we go. Sorry. Come on down. So this is Esther. Esther has uh, come on up all the way. All the way. I know. You won't be the, the last one, I promise. So this is Esther. Esther, uh, how long have you been a part of Southview? I'm going to make you say. 16 years. So the truth is, she wasn't supposed to get uh, to become a member today. We just said, we're just not going to close until she does. Like, we're just going to stay here forever. But Esther, she has been a faithful part of our church for so long. And uh, coming today to officially be a part of membership. And 
We're so excited for this because we know that there are others. You've been around forever. And it kind of comes a point where eventually you go, this is my home. Uh, nothing about that's changing. Why do I need to go through the process? We really believe in covenant membership. And so I'm so excited for Esther coming today, being a part of this. She's uh, been a part of the Alive in Christ journey group, plugged into ministry here at Southview. So we're so excited to have her officially a part of our church. So if you're excited about Esther joining with us today in official membership, just say amen and let her know. Amen. All right. Steve Thomas. Steve. Come on up, Steve. So this is Steve. Steve, is uh, he has been a part of our church for several months now. He attends the Ablaze Journey Group. Come on down here, Steve, so I can get my hands on you. So uh, Steve actually is connected to our pastor, Steve. They worked together back in the day. And so that's kind of how he had a connection here. And um, when the Lord was leading him to a church, he said, well... I know a guy south of you. I want to go check those folk out. And so he's come down. Wonderful guy. Just served the Lord for so long his entire life. Wonderful man in love with Jesus. Has served faithfully in so many different kinds of ministries. And we are honored and really excited to have him now be a part of Southview and how he could be uh, plugged in and see the gospel advanced here. So if you're excited again about Steve Thomas coming and being a part of our ministry here at Southview, a part of the family, let him know by saying amen. amen. All right. <laughs> Jeff and Beth. Jeff and Beth, come on. So this is Jeff and Beth Range. So uh, interesting side story for Jeff and Beth. So this is actually Emily Culpitz Ryan, our youth pastor. Come on down this way. This is Emily's parents. So they moved down from Ohio, uh, like all good godly people do. They came south. <laughs> and so grandkids had nothing to do with that at all. Nothing. But they came down, uh, immediately got plugged in to uh, ministry here. And a wonderful family, love the Lord, just great story of how they've um, just practically shown the gospel in their own lives. Wonderful story, I'll make them share that one of these days. But fantastic couple. So if you're excited about Jeff and Beth also being a part of our Southview family uh, officially, just let them know by saying amen. Amen, amen. all right. Miss Norma, Norma Tilly. Norma, join us. So, Norma, you actually saw her earlier. She, um, she read Megan's uh, testimony for her baptism, and Norma coming today, and uh, officially as well becoming a member of Southview, the Southview family. She's a part of the Alive in Christ Journey group as well. We say that because we want you to be a part of a group, so we're telling you what groups they're a part of. You can find that on the church app. So she's a part of the Alive in Christ uh, Journey group, been a part of Southview for a while herself, and uh, now coming again to officially make this her church home and her family, and we're so excited for her in doing that. So again, if you uh, welcome Norma with open arms, excited for her being officially a part of the family here, just let her know by saying amen. amen. All right. Harrison and Savannah. Harrison and Savannah. Come on, guys. Come on down this way. So this is Harrison and Savannah. They are making their way here. Anyone want to guess what state Harrison is from? Are we right? Yeah. It just, it's amazing. It's just all over you. 
But Harrison and Savannah come our way uh, via military. They're both uh, active duty stationed here at Bragg. And so as they came here, settled here uh, in the area, they began immediately searching and asking the Lord where would they be a part of a church. And God, by His grace, led them here. We're so excited about that. Being a church in a military community is one of the greatest blessings we are ever going to have. It is a gift. It is a blessing. We love that. That that is a great thing. And so for you all, just like for Harrison and Savannah, um, if you are serving here on, uh, uh, at Bragg, and you may be thinking, I'm not going to be here long. We don't know how long. That does not matter for us. We want you to be a part of the body. We want you to go through membership. We want you to get plugged in. We just want to disciple you, encourage you, love you. And then when you get sent off, we want to send you off with blessing. The great thing about being a church and a military community is we get to send missionaries around the world and let Uncle Sam pay for it. Right? That's our ministry. So we have here... Harrison and Savannah, both professing faith in Jesus, loving the Lord all their, all their lives, coming to faith at a young age, serving in the military, now here, wanting to be a part of a Southview church. And so if you're excited for Harrison and Savannah, again, being a part of this ministry here, to let them know by saying amen. Amen. All right. Last but not least, Charles and Amy. The Murphys. Charles and Amy, come on down, guys. So this is Charles and Amy Murphy. They also have been a part of our church for, for quite a few years now and officially coming and being a part of our church in membership. Uh, you recognize Charles is one of the guys you try not to run over in the parking lot. He's one of our parking lot guys. Um, but we're just so excited, Charles and Amy. They've been a part of this church for years. They've been, been such a blessing to us for so many years. And so I'm just beyond excited for them officially becoming a part of the ministry here and a part of the church family. They've been a part of the ministry for years, and now they just get to be officially uh, in the family as covenant members. We praise God for that. So if you are excited again about Charles and Amy becoming official members uh, in covenant membership of Southview, let them know by saying amen as well. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. All right. So we're going to close our time here this morning praying for all these wonderful folk. When we're done, we are going to have a business meeting uh, in the Family Life Center. If you are planning on being a part of that business meeting and you have children, get your children first. They already don't like me. I've gone long. Don't make them be mad at me even more, all right? Go get your kids. We'll wait about 10, 15 minutes, and then we'll start the uh, business meeting in the FLC. But let's close our time together here this morning praying for these amazing folk. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in all these lives. I thank you, God, for bringing them to us. God, that is just such a gift. I pray, God, that you would bless them. I pray, God, that you would, again, allow their roots to grow deep. I pray, God, that we, as a church, will be able to minister to them, love them, disciple them the best way possible. I ask you, God, that you would... If they haven't been able to find friends yet, I pray, God, that you would lead them there. If they haven't found a connection yet, I pray, God, that you would lead them to do so. Uh, God, and just let, again, just their... Let the fruit just grow abundantly in them. And I pray that we will be able to help them in that, encourage them in that, and then just be the recipients of being ministered to by them. Thank you, Lord, for them. Bless them. I pray also for the Harris family. Jeff and Dottie Harris joined during the first service. So, God, I pray for them. 
thank you for them. I pray your blessings on them as well as they are a part of our Southview family. Thank you, Lord, for having your hand of grace on us. And we pray, God, that we would be good stewards of all the souls that by your grace you let us have a part of our family. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Church, I was breathing, I was breathing.